With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. and welcome to the FYP podcast 403. Uh, It's JD here. Slightly different format this week uh, because this is the audio from our live podcast that we recorded at the Streatham Space Project this week with the one and only Danny Butterfield. Now, Danny joined us on stage for over an hour uh, to regale us with some fantastic stories from his eight years at Palace. Uh, What we did on the night, we had a first half that was me, Kevin, Andy and Rob answering questions on stage from the audience and then we had a break and we brought Danny out for the second half. You're just going to hear the second half and um, mainly because the audio isn't great from the first half and it's, none of you have come here for that. You've come for Danny. You don't want to hear us prattling on. So we're going to go straight into uh, the Danny Butterfield um, episode. So we're going straight into uh, the audio from Danny being on stage, answering questions and telling his fantastic stories. Now, really quickly, on the night, we launched some new FYP merchandise. We've done FYP football shirts. Um, there are football shirt material available in red and blue. On the front, they've got well-played lads in the Fly Virgin sponsor style. They've got typical palace in the manufacturer logo bit in the 1969 golden font. The FYP badge is on there. And you can get your name and number on the back. They're fantastic shirts. And they're available to buy right now at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. You can also, from the same website, buy our Hillsborough Heroes t-shirt, which Danny was wearing on the night, of course, because he is featured in the names on the t-shirt. So those are both available at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Now... As ever, you get a little bit more over at our patron, uh, patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. There's a couple more stories from Danny over there. So if you like what you hear on the public feed, you want to hear more, go to patron.com forward slash FYP podcast and you can hear a little bit more. As ever, we love to treat our patrons. Now, a bit of a warning before we go into it. It's a live night. Um, so obviously there's quite a lot of swearing, uh, which is what happens in live events. Um, so if you're listening on speakers and you've got little ones around you, pop your headphones in so they won't hear because there's a fair amount of fruity language from Danny and all of us um, on the night. Now, you're going to hear me introduce Danny in a minute, and then he starts off by talking about revisiting the Palace training ground recently and how much it's changed um, from his eight years as a Crystal Palace player, which ended in 2010. So anyway, here we go. This is the one and only Danny Butterfield on the FYP Podcast Live. (laughs) 
Please welcome Danny Butterfield! Evening. Hello. <laughs> we had a scout. We had Scannell and Moses, and that was about it. No, we going back to the training ground. I said I went back about twelve months ago, and it's massively evolved. There's grass on the pitches, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no. For once, it's great to see Palace actually committing to the football club, committing to the academy, committing to a belief that you're not just going to be a team that tinkers down the bottom of the league and we might get promoted, might get relegated. So I think that's a massive positive. And it, you, it's... you said the last time you were at the training ground, there was a little old man banging some AstroTurf down for no apparent reason. <laughs> yeah, it was just, I don't know, it was the new 3G pitch that was being laid or it was just a bit of Astro at the back of the building just to stop people falling over in the boots. But um, no, it's definitely evolved and it is it is really positive. It's uh, It's nice to see. Uh, right, are you ready for your quiz? The Danny Butterfield quiz. Am I supposed to know this stuff? I would hope so, to okay. be honest. We do this with all our Palace guests that come on the podcast. So I mean, here we go. Uh, the first one is, um, who did you score more goals for? Palace or Saints? Not Palace. He was very confident there, wasn't he? Actually, 10 each. Ooh. Really? I, w- I will caveat the thing. I got that from your Wikipedia page, so it could well be incorrect. Did you say Unless... Saints? Saints, Southampton, yeah. I never scored for them. <laughs> well, this is brilliant. <laughs> Let's rewind that. Yeah, yeah, I scored 10. Yeah, 10 scored goals. 10. Okay, yeah. how many goals did you score for Palace? I think it was 14 in all competitions. Oh, fuck got 10. <laughs> I think it's probably 10 league. Uh, JD, have you got the right Danny Butterfield? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a minute. Are then. you thinking Jacob on t shirt? That says John. Oh, shit. I'm not, I've got Clint, <laughs> I've got Clint Hill stats. Clint Hill stats, sorry. All right, next question. Oh, this one's definitely right. Danny Butterfield, Crystal Palace, six goals. Southampton, zero goals? Well done on knowing your own career, Danny. <laughs> All right, this is a good start. Great start. Uh, okay, I'm pretty sure this one's right, but we'll, we'll see. You know, this Jay, might be Jay, Julian Speroni's career that we're talking about. So, no. the worst bit of that is the professional journalist down the front is just going, oh, for <laughs> Uh, and Danny's saying you've doubled my career goal tally as well. Yeah, He's a good no. guy. My dad would give me an extra tenner there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how, many, how many palace managers did you play for, not including caretakers? Um, <laughs> is that ones that are actually classed as managers? Or? <laughs> Again, it's Wikipedia. So. Um, I don't know. <laughs> this is a tough question, yeah. I've just heard six. I'd probably said, let's go with six. Uh, it is six. Well done, I've said that. Yeah. And how many for Southampton? No, I'm joking, don't. <laughs> yeah. who, who would you not classify as a manager? Oh, I've voted myself up there, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me say this. This guy was a really, really nice guy. Not dug it in. And this is... <laughs> this is uh, no. <laughs> this guy was a really, really nice guy. Not Neil Warnock, and he no, he was Neil's. A t- I've got some great stories on Neil. I'll tell you in a bit. But he actually managed our country, and I thought he was shit. Peter Taylor. Peter Taylor. 
We used to do these possession games, right? So we'd have a square, and it, and if the ball went out of the square but didn't touch the floor, you could carry on, right? So we got onto it. We'd go, go and run right over there. I'll boom it to you. You boom it back in, and we'd just have a right play our own game within this possession game. And he'd never had the balls to go, that rule don't work, stop. But we'd just go, <laughs> kick it back in. But the crazy thing was, that was normally Chef Kikuchi trying to make a five-yard pass. <laughs> it's like, fuck. I'm actually slightly worried to go. This one is definitely true, and you should know the answer to this one. Right. So I do want to hear more about Chef Kuki being shit. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know what foot he was. That is God's sonic truth. <laughs> but it was fucking massive, and I don't tell him. <laughs> he used to go clean through on goal on his right, and I'd think, go on, fucking hit it, Chef Kiki. And he'd shift it onto his left, and I'd think, you're fucking right footed. <laughs> Just hit it. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Shefki don't, don't listen to this, does he? No. Thank fuck for that. I really hope not. No. Else you'll uh, never see me again. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, how quick was your hat trick against Wolves? Fucking rapid, second. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> against Six Wayne Hennessy. Six forty-eight, but I'm going to take your word for it. Six forty-eight, yeah. You literally did did score it. Oh, this one's got some. Um, this one's got pictures. Um, so I actually sort of ran out of questions here, so I just started googling you. Um, so this one is: um, which of these hairstyles that you had during that eight years at Palace is the best? Yeah. Let's have a look. Who we've got? Oh, Danny Butterfield. There we go. Hey. That the was when I washed cars. <laughs> the, co the, con the convict. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, you've just joined at that point. Yeah, I just signed there. That was... Wow, that's brutal, that, isn't it? Um, you don't look very happy to have signed for Palace. No. Do you know... It's probably because Trevor's in the background. He's just asked me, what's your best position again? <laughs> um, so, yeah... I used to go through phases of shaving my head for pre-season, especially if I was, you know, trying to scare the opponents. But that was, yeah, that was brutal. You ready for the next one? Not really. <laughs> it's a lot better, although it couldn't get worse. Uh, stand, stand, uh, back inside. Yeah, yeah, it's still. Listen, when you own ears like I own, you've got to fucking try all sorts to cover them up. Well, that is actually perfectly brings you on to the next haircut. Exactly actually. right. Yeah, and that's the only reason this. for it. Yeah, which is uh, sort of the mod, I guess, isn't it? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I went through that. I went through that stage. Yeah, it was... I had a bit of a tough upbringing, really. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, listen. I perhaps missed Instagram in my day because I'd have probably... I'd have been on it all the time with the new haircuts and stuff, wouldn't I? But I do have one more haircut, actually. Um, okay. There was a bit of a mullet at one point. I couldn't find the mullet, but that I found against, this one. Yeah, that was played on TV and I had the mullet. The, the mullet was a thing that all the players did for a bet or something, wasn't it? Is that right? Sean? Yeah, Sean Derry did it for the playoff final. Yeah, he looked terrible, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is worse. This is from your Grimsby days. Oh, this is going to be Kurt. Oh, oh look at that. <laughs> yeah. That was an axe wound. You see, straight down the middle of my head. 
You see that scab on my chin? I tell this story all the time, and this is the banter in our youth team. So when we used to go out on a night out, we never used to do it, but sometimes we used to go on a night out. And the lads used to light cigarettes and just look that way, Jim. And just go. Three cigarette burn on a night out, that is. And once you tell the gaffer where you turn up on a Monday morning? Uh, Cut myself shaving. As if I've got any whiskers as well, look. (laughs) (laughs) Baby faces they come. Um, I I do have some questions, um, although I'm sure we'll throw it open to the floor in a minute. Um, The first one is, how did the move to Palace come about? Do you remember much about that? Yeah, I played played for Grimsby right midfield, actually, against Palace right at the end of the season before I joined. And actually, we think we won 4-5-2-6-2, maybe. And I think... Yeah, I remember crossing one and Curtis Fleming put it in his own net. Um, and I think basically that got me the move. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> not, Curtis. No, well, then I took Curtis's plays. It was quite <laughs> ruthless. But I think that was it. I think I played well in that game. I think I probably had, I think I probably created four of the five or three of the four or whatever the score was. I think that's what led to it. When did you, do you know when you scored that hat trick? Had you played up front before? Only as a kid. So. So what was what was the thinking behind? Well, we'd gone into administration, and Victor yeah. had just moved, and it, typical Neil Warnock we was having a small side of gains the day before a game, and I played up front with Alan Lee just to show him how to do it. Pratt about really, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if you can stand up there in a Palace kit, I like and fucking do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and it basically it simply came off the back of that. We turned up the next day at. We turned up at the stadium the next day at night and Neil came in, wrote the team on the team sheet and I was playing right of a front three. And te- the lads was just looking around the dressing room going, really? Didn't, and I did, was just like, wow. Didn't Neil, didn't Neil Warnock say that his wife had a premonition that you would score a hat-trick or something like that? Yeah, well, I scored that hat-trick and you know what? I wasn't allowed to do any interviews afterwards. Neil did them all. <laughs> that is the gospel. <laughs> He said, I'll tell you what, I'll let you do football focus with Mark Bright. That was about three days after all the other interviews had been done. So that was typical Neil. Yeah. But that was the story, wasn't it? That I think. And yeah, then, Dougie, sort of did do. Dougie get dropped or something? Dougie no. got dropped again on another one. So Dougie, uh, we turned, we, so we did the match prep on a Friday, turn up, and Neil walked into the dressing room and was like, right, lads, there's a change to the team. Dougie, you're not starting. Or Dougie was like, Mr. Palace, and like, no, no, you don't drop Dougie. That's like, no chance. So, yeah, Dougie not playing. And I'll give you the reason there in front of everyone so you don't have to come knocking on my door on Monday. Sharon's had a dream, and she said, (laughs) she said, Paul Eiffel's going to score the winner today, so I've got to start Paul. (laughs) And that was it. And then Dougie was chuntering away going, I've been fucking dropped. Fucking let him kick the fucking ball. (laughs) So. And my memory of Paul Eiffel is, I guess he probably didn't score, did he? He actually did. Did he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> and we did it again away at Watford. He said, lads, keep it tight for an hour. I'm going to bring Eiffel on for the last half an hour, and he'll score the winner. And it actually happened. Um, out of those six managers, is Warnock the biggest character out of those six? 100%. 100%. Like, <laughs> how long we got? <laughs> uh, the best thing Neil did in pre-season, especially now with sports scientists and everything, he used to say, what I don't get is 
if you've got a Rottweiler chasing you down the street, you don't say, hold on there a minute, let me have a stretch and a bit of a warm-up. You fucking run like the clappers. <laughs> so he used to say to the sports scientists, why do they need all these stupid fucking warm-ups and that? <laughs> fucking, if they're going to run, fucking run. <laughs> That's it. And that was like, that was typical Neil. Brilliant. I mean, there is logic to that. It's, it's yeah. true, isn't it? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I used to actually stand on the start line and think, is a Rottweiler coming? Because <laughs> that's the sort of thing you'd probably go, go and fucking get him, and be like, we've it's, all got to run. It's like Squid Game, but yeah. with Neil Warnock. With Neil Warnock, Neil Warnock's <laughs> game. Yeah. Was, was it true, though? A lot, a lot of ex-players say he, was, he would have five or six favourites in any, in any team, and if, he didn't, if you weren't one of them, it was quite hard for you there. Well, we had Darren Ambrose. And no word of lie. If it was raining, this is the gospel, it'd go, Darren, come here, sunshine. <laughs> it'd stand him under his umbrella. <laughs> and we would watch, he would watch us training. But Ams was pretty embarrassed by it. It'd be like, shit, what's the lads going to think? And we was all thinking, dickhead. <laughs> he ain't got the balls to say, no, no, Neil, I want to train like that. He'd go, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. So he's just watching the Rottweiler run about. Yeah, the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Darren was on the sledge being pulled by the Rottweilers. Um, I, do, I, do, I do have a video of the, the hat-trick, obviously. Okay. And I'm sure we'd all love to watch it. Before I do that, I do have another clip, I would say, of your best Palace goal. I think crispest strike. Keeper's got absolutely no chance. This is my favourite. Danny Hill's goal. Yeah, yeah, here we go. I have to tell oh. my son that this is oh. me. This is the best bit. I've got Arthur Sellers Park up my arse there. Uh, I mean, that night, I think anyone that was there, it was one of the best nights under the lights at Sellers Park, I think. And you almost sort of knew, because it was back and forth, wasn't it? 3 2 with Sunderland. Yeah. We kept coming back. You almost knew, it was almost written that we were going to go and, go and do it. Yeah, I think, the, I think the momentum we had going into the playoffs was sort of special. We were sort of. We felt that no one could almost stop us. And I think it did feel like that. You score, okay, we'll score again. Okay, you score, okay, we'll go get a couple. And it sort of felt like that. And even, even when we went up to Sunderland and they got a couple of early goals, it still felt like, okay, how should we end this the most exciting Palace way? <laughs> Pauly, on you come, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, it was, it, was, it was a special night and it there is no better feeling than playing in front of your own fans and having a successful night. It's, it's an, that's, what, that's what you do it for. It's that time of the year when Christmas is coming at us like Neil Mope, thick and fast. And so is an offer from Manscaped, the leading men's hygiene brand. Manscaped just launched their new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash, and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful hair, skin, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use the code FYP for 20% off and free shipping. 
Don't leave your downstairs looking like Jedinak's beard. Keep it as smooth as AJ's head with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new performance package 4.0. Jack, you've been sent the latest bundle from Manscaped and <laughs> pardon the pun, but it is an impressive package, isn't it? Very good package. Very high quality uh, stuff. And uh, yeah, you, uh, lots of uh, lots of options for you to uh, to look at and, and analyse before you make the final decision as to to what you're going to do but the the best part of the box for me was the nose and ear trimmer um which uh, having entered my 30s now I, I understand i require um so very grateful that was that was a bit but again very high quality and um yeah being being put to use uh suitably in the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents downstairs, thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology and a 4,000K LED spotlight. Plus, it's waterproof, so ideal to use in the shower. The Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 also includes Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the anti-chafing ball deodorant, moisturiser and toner. To keep your North Pole feeling and smelling fresh this Christmas time. The bundle also comes with Manscaped anti-chafing boxes and this package includes their new ultra-premium body wash. Uh, It's infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling nice, clean and moisturised. And they've just launched their new 2.1 shampoo and conditioner which has key ingredients with benefits that include hydrating, nourishing, conditioning the scalp and strengthening your hair at the same time. So, tis the season to load up on Manscaped products to get yourself, your dad, your brother and friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 this Christmas. And get 20% off and free shipping with the code FYP at manscaped.com. Every guy out there needs to add Manscaped to their wish list this Christmas. What was Dowie like as a manager? Because he, another one, there's a lot of stories about boxing on the training ground and different regimes and then John Harbin was there and the the, the exercise mats came out before the game yeah. and it was all yeah. very different for Palace fans. Yeah. It was different for the players. Yeah, we... In fairness to Ian, he took us to a whole new level fitness-wise and that obviously brought us success. So we bought into it because what we were doing was getting us success on the pitch. So we did have... But he took us to Belfast, and I remember we'd have to be up at like five in the morning to go for a swim, and then come back, and then we'd go to the gym at like half seven for a boxing, then we'd come back, and then we'd do running, and then we'd do... We're fucking footballers, Ian. Um, but then we'll play football in the afternoon. That's so. But it was relentless, but we got success with it. So you, you did buy into it, and he he got the best out of the group physically, but we also had a lot of talented players and individuals to win games within the group. Sean Derry told us that Ian Dowie was the best dancer he'd ever seen. Is that right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you never go dancing with him? He's actually pissed me off because I'm his best mate and he's seen me dance a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, listen, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. He, I think he actually did. I think he did a bit of dancing. I think he was proper. I don't know what, whatever it. Maybe not strictly level, but he was. <laughs> he used to do a little bit with his wife and that. I think, yeah, yeah. Have you got any stories about Ian Dowie that you can share with us? Um, he. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> uh, no, I'm just thinking it was actually quite funny. Um, he, uh, yeah. Right, right towards the end of my. So basically, I I got injured in the prem, the Premier League season. I got injured, I had a terrible injury at the start, and carried on a little bit. And I was really pissed off at not playing or whatever. And um, I'd go and knock on his door and ask him why I wasn't playing. Boise was playing; he was doing really well. And um, I'd go and ask him why I'm not playing, blah blah. And then one day there was some sort of incident on the training ground or whatever. And I remember walking out the training ground building to get him a car, and he shouted me, and I heard him, and I thought, "Fuck off." And he, he shouted me again, and I ignored him, and he shouted something like, Oi, when I'm fucking talking to you, just, oh, I'm a dad. Um, but he, I immediately turned around and said, there was lads getting in the car and that, and I said, don't talk to me like that, because I wouldn't talk to you like that. <laughs> well, he went redder than red, and he started marching towards me. So I'm like running around my car, and he's like, "It's <laughs> not." Um, yeah, it's like, "Oh God, my keys won't unlock the car. Quick, quick!" quick. <laughs> but that was like one story, and all the lads were sort of like getting in their cars and looking over. Oh, what's going off here? Look, here he goes. But um, yeah, as regards stories, not, not massive about Ian, I suppose. Not quite Neil Warnock level. Oh, Neil Warnock. This is another good Neil Warnock one. <laughs> so we would... Um, I'll tell a couple of Neil ones. One of them might have to be edited out. Um, we'd play at home, and I always remember it. We're playing at home. We were, we were crap first half. And you're going in, you're thinking, he's going to bollock someone. He's going to pick on someone. And he said, uh, right, lads, this is how we're going to win the second half. Well, tactically, Neil had nothing. <laughs> so we're thinking, oh, my God, he's going to fucking bring a juggler on or something. <laughs> so tactically, had nothing. So he said, this is what we're going to do. He went, Victor, come here, son. Always remember it. He had a big coat on. Um, Neil did. He dipped his hand in his pocket, and he said, this is what we're going to do. Come here. Can you remember the Lucasade Sport? Little tablet things. <laughs> Remember him? He's whipped one of them, Matt. He went, Victor, fucking get that down, yeah. <laughs> right? So Victor's gone. And he's like, fuck, fizzing away and frothing in his mouth. And he did it, and no word of a lie, Victor was very, very good second half. He was actually probably good first half. But for about three or four games, he would get to half time and he'd go, right, lads, Victor. <laughs> Come here, son. <laughs> and he'd whip his LucasAid tablet out and go, fucking get that down, yeah. <laughs> For about three games, that lasted. <laughs> so that was another new one. Well, I mean, Victor's good enough, actually. That... Oh, mate, I was like, give us out for that, Vic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I do have more questions, but I just want to ask you for more Neil Warnock stories. I'll tell you another one. I'll tell you another one. <laughs> so, we went away to QPR, and we went through a phase of, I don't know if any of you remember it. You probably, listen, you won't ever remember it, but I remembered it. I used to have to go do my marking jobs. So, when he was at, when he was at Sheffield United, he used to, Robert Kozluk used to have to go and mark, like Ronaldo, just go man marking him wherever. Well, Neil then brought that to Palace, and it was like, Butters, you're going to do a man-marking job today. And I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. He'd go, if your man goes for a shit, you wipe his ass. I was like, Gaffer, what do I do if he's taking a corner? 
He said, fucking stand five yards away, and when he starts running, fucking run with him again. I'm like, oh, okay. He said, right, we're going to QPR, but as you're going to do a uh, man-marking job. And I was like, okay. He said, in the dressing room before the game, he said, right, blow a balloon up. But was blow a balloon up. I'm, I'm like, what? Go on, blow a fucking balloon up. Like, so I'm <laughs> awkwardly going. <laughs> <laughs> Who brought the balloons? <laughs> yeah, who's, who's bringing the balloons in? So I'm like, and he went, blow it up, blow it up. So I'm like, the lads are looking at me going, you tosser. And I'm, going, I'm like, he goes, right, whatever you do, don't fucking tie a knot in it. I'm like, okay. Went, right, let it go. He said, what happened? It fucking went everywhere, didn't it? He went, that's Scott Sinclair. You're marking him today. <laughs> <laughs> and that was our match prep. That's it. <laughs> you just you you just don't feel like Patrick Vieira is doing that, those no. kind of instructions no. to players at the no. moment. No. Is it like these stories are fantastic? But is there actually a bit of an enjoyment for playing for an old school manager? Because you know it's mostly bullshit, but it's it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. The I've just you've triggered another one off now. Um, I love playing for him. I love playing for him. A couple of stories. Let me just remember one. Anyway, we, the day I got sent to Charlton on loan, the day I sent Charlton down, that, that uh, the, the, Sorry, the, Dave. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, Dave. The, um, yeah, Neil pulled me and he said, right, but he said, I want you to go on loan. And I'm thinking, oh my God, that's the end of my Palace career. I'm done. He said, I want you to go on loan. He said, no one else wants any of our players. I'm desperate for a striker, so you've got to go. He said, but you'll come back next season. You'll be my number one right back. Don't worry about it. And I was thinking, what a load of bullshit. He don't want me. So I went to Charlton, got them relegated. It was perfect. And then I, <laughs> I um, Sorry, came no. back. And literally, Neil grabbed me first day of preseason. Mark my word, you've been my first choice right back. But when we played Bristol City away in the playoffs, remember that? Yeah. Fucking painful. Um, before Neil had another one, or Sharon probably had another one of her dreams, <laughs> and she thought we was, it was going to go to p- penalties. So Neil got this guy, this psychologist, came to the hotel beforehand. So he walks into the hotel. He's got a massive sack with him, and we're like, "Fucking hell, what's going off here?" Uh, it's, it's, honestly, so this guy comes in. All the staff leave, and Neil Warnock says to Ben Watson, Ben, out you come, son, you don't need to be listening to this. And Ben was like, no, I'm all right, I'll stay in there. No, I'll stay in there. Anyway, this guy, he gets this sack out, and he scatters all this broken glass along the hotel, like, where we're eating, right? (laughs) This is him. He's telling us about, I was like, mind over matter. So he's going... Right, and we're all going, oh my God, that is killing him. He gets to the end, he gets to the end, and he's like, oh, fucking hell. He's picking his glass out of his feet, and we're all thinking, what a whopper. And he, he's just stood there, and he went, I told you, it's mind over matter. You can do it, you just got to focus on what part of the goal you're putting it in, and just shoot hard. And we're thinking, what? Where's he come from? 
absolutely no wonder Ben wanted to sit in and watch it. It was like that was entertainment, that was. Also, that's generally how you take a penalty anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right, should we open it up to any... Has anybody got a question for, for Dan? Oh, yeah, should we, uh, sorry. Should we watch a hat trick? Yeah, I ain't seen it for 20 sorry. minutes. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. the 43rd time today I've watched it. Let's go again. Uh, you'll enjoy this thing because it's got multiple replays of every goal as well. So here we go. I felt for Matty because that was a great header. Yeah. Johnny, can you, Johnny, can you turn down a little bit? Just um, that is a, strike, a striker's header. Yeah. I mean, Matty's was unbelievable. I was thinking, oh, that's going in. And I was like, oh, this is my job. I've got him on the keeper. I've got to nod it in. Yeah, it's a, it's a superb <laughs> header. Uh, Who's that guy? Familiar face. <laughs> <laughs> if you have freaking highlights, you deserve to concede that trick. <laughs> <laughs> but you said, you said you'd never played up front before... Only since as a being kid. a kid, but I mean that is a that is a, a poacher's finish. Yeah, well, listen, I've got Mancia marking me. What do you expect? <laughs> See you, pal. <laughs> right here we go, number two coming up. Stay on light. Stay on side here. Yeah. Did you think you might be off? Or no? Listen, I played that many games as a striker. I knew I was on side. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in that, believe it or not, I actually break Stearman's nose on that. Really? Yeah. What's so that? Sort of holding him off? Yeah. Rewind so you looked it. at me Let's really menacingly there. Can actually. we rewind it? Can we watch it? Again? Yeah, I don't can. actually know if we can rewind it. I've got forward and oh. stop. Hey, you see it? So. You see it? It's definitely on. Yeah. It's a nice right here, touch from I'll Darren. catch him in the face here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like Got John, him. John yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and at this like this is this is probably a, a really sort of boring football-y question that I actually hate it. I'm gonna ask it anyway. What are you thinking at this moment? Like two goals in two or three minutes? Just give me the ball, lads, I'll get another. <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> that's that's the best one, isn't it? That's yeah, the that's one. the best yeah, finish. that was the best finish. I think the I don't know, I just think Danny, Danny, did you, there Danny, did you have a, what Danny, did you have a goal bonus? There, Danny? Did he get a goal bonus? He's thinking, Sharon. I'm going to tell everyone, this was all me, <laughs> <laughs> my decision, yeah. Danny, did you have a goal bonus for this? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no chance. And if I did, Neil would probably took it off me. <laughs> Is that the only goal of your left foot? Yeah. Yeah. In fairness to, to Big Al, Al used to take a lot of stick from you guys probably because he was just a battering round, wasn't he? But it was a bit it was a bit Neil Shipley esque in that he offered the, t the lads appreciated him probably more than the fans appreciated him, but he couldn't finish a bag of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> apart from at Hillsborough, of course. Yeah, yeah. My my memory. Apart from that header at Hillsborough, yeah. I do have a question about Hillsborough later on as well. My memory of that is you then got subbed off 10 or sort of 15 minutes later and you're just laughing yeah. because it's... Is that, is that yeah, a yeah. correct memory? Oh, seriously, people don't believe me when I say this. I was actually embarrassed. Why? That's not what I did. <laughs> <It's> like, 
I was I was actually embarrassed. Even like when people are asking me now, I go, yeah, yeah, I did it, yeah. yeah. Did you but start up front the next game as well? At yeah. Scunthorpe? And what were you yeah. thinking of, uh, before that game? Thinking, oh, I've done one of this. Like, am I, I was know, actually thinking this strikers, this striker nonsense, piece of piss, isn't it? <laughs> um, I actually played up at um, at Newcastle as well. I missed a sitter from about six yards a header, and that was when I thought, ooh. <laughs> Yeah, maybe not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> um, and then Neil was straight away, get back there, sunshine. Um, yeah, I think it's typical Neil. It it really was. Typical Neil and going, go up there. Listen, he had no idea I was going to score a goal. In fact, I thought I was close to being sub before the hat trick because I was having a shocker. I really was. I was thinking, I'm not doing anything. And then you get the first and Neil probably thinks, yeah, carry on. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Did you hear afterwards that someone had a hundred quid on you scoring a hat trick? Not until you told me backstage. Yeah, yeah. He went into the they had the little betting booth in the players' lounge, and he went in. Apparently, he said that he'd had a dream that you would score a hat trick. But that's what he said. He, and he, he put, <laughs> but he put a hundred quid on it, and the bloke had to phone head office because there was no option for you scoring a hat trick. Oh, they had first goal scorer and they had correct score, but they said, oh, there's nothing here for Danny Butterfield scoring a hat trick. <laughs> so he phoned head office and they just went, a thousand times. So he won a load of money. He won about 15 yeah. grand. That, yeah. that was also at a really kind of low point yeah. for the club. And it, it, it's one of those moments that actually changed the dynamic a little bit with Palace fans where we thought, because Wolves were a Premier League side and we ended up beating them. And that kind of, I think we were all kind of worried about the administration and the challenges we were going to face. And then we won that game. And I, I don't know why, but to me, as a fan, it, I just thought, we can do this. We can get out of this. And then as that season progressed, it got to the point where we played against Sheffield Wednesday. And you played a big part in that game as well. 
Do you remember the kind of build up to that? Yeah, I think the, I think because of the position we were in when we went into administration as regards just outside the playoffs and then dropping straight down to the bottom four, bottom three, within the group, we still felt we've got a squad that's good enough to compete at the top of this league. So relegation never was never a worry. It probably was for you fans for a period where you think, oh, shit, this is getting close now. But it sort of never was. There was a belief that we had a, we had a dressing room of men. I'm talking Sean Derry, Clint Hill, Paddy McCarthy, Matty Lawrence, Matty Bastard Lawrence, if you want. <laughs> Matty Lawrence, myself, as regards... I know it, this is sort of don't really relate, but if you was in a bar and you got in a bit of bother, you want them boys beside you. If you were in a battle on the football pitch, you want them boys beside you. And then you had the sprinkling of your match winners in your Ambrose and your Neil Dans who got sent off and paused right in it. But the, <laughs> the Sean Scannell's had a little bit of flair. And I think, I think the, I don't know, you just sort of have a belief that these are the boys you want to go to war with. The fans were right behind us. You, you could sense that we were right up against it. They shitted at the fan. But the fans seemed to get closer to the group and closer to us as players than ever before. So it was sort of felt inevitable that we weren't going to go down. Well, I wish I'd been that confident at the time. I was actually <laughs> shitting yeah. it. Yeah, it was horrible that day at Hillsborough. Should have seen was... the state of my list that fucking year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, I've got, I do have a question about Hillsborough that I've always wanted to ask you, which was in the build-up to their first goal, you were fouled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was all part of the plan. <laughs> he broke his the... foot, didn't he? Yeah, he went over there celebrating like a clown and broke so his foot. Plan, Off you get. Yeah. Of course, I did. As I felt the, the striker coming, I thought, yeah, you're the one who's going to break your foot on the advertising board. Off you pop. Go on. In fairness, I, I actually I was fuming with Julian. Because I thought, how does he score from that angle? I know it was me that gave the ball away, but I looked at him and I thought, Jules, any fucking, put your fucking arms on. It's a big game, this one. Um. Shall we open it up then? Has anybody got a question? I'm sure yep. loads of hands began. A couple down here at right. the front. Some... I was focused on the left side before, so I'm JC. just going to go. Yeah, JC, here we JC. go. JC. Um, thank, thank you. Great, great to see you here. I guess South London Palace and, you know, Steve Parrish came on the scene and created the whole thing of South London Proud and stuff, but that was there before, right? And yeah. just a little bit about you playing for Palace and what was it like? at the time, with the atmosphere, with the fans at Palace? Um, I loved playing for Palace. Absolutely loved it. So get that straight. I absolutely loved it. I left Grimsby to come to Palace, and I'll be honest with you, if you, someone had asked me at 22, where don't you want to go? I'd have probably said London. Because I'm from a little town where flipping someone pinches a place and pint of milk off the doorstep, it's the headlines in the paper. So I was a little bit scared of the big London thing. When I signed for Palace, I immediately thought, I can be here for a long time. It, I just enjoyed the style of football. I liked the Palace 
Palace always have been a club which is very, very quick on the counter-attack. They have exciting forward players that go and take it to teams. I actually remember ringing my dad after about a month of playing in the first team and saying, Dad, we fucking score goals, by the way. I've been used to Grimsby where I'm thinking, holy shit, how many are we conceding today? <laughs> so you, I sort of felt that I could be successful here. And if it weren't for fucking George Burley, I think I'd have probably had a testimony. <laughs> so um, he was another good manager for Palace as well. One of you lasted five minutes. <laughs> Twat. Um, but he ended my Palace career of a shitty phone call abroad asking if I wanted to stay and I said yeah and he rung me a few days later saying that he was signing David Wright who was another Palace legend <laughs> Can I just say Danny bearing grudges isn't the way forward mate no, it's, 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 it's... You told me it is You and Kevin are going to get But that's never haunted me listen I, I really like George <laughs> So you'd have so I, I never knew that before you said it earlier you'd have happily stayed at Palace because that that was 2010, so it would obviously just come out of the administration. It was a new era for Palace. Yeah. You wanted to stay and be a part of that next step. Yeah. Uh, listen, when you've been at a club for eight years, you see it as your club. And I was actually offended that someone that had nothing to do with staying up, someone that had no affiliation to Palace at all, was coming in and ending my Palace career, my club. That that. That really annoyed me most of my finishing, quitting my ties with Palace because it just didn't feel right that someone, unfortunate circumstances, we didn't have a manager, they employed George, which is no fault of his own, and he has to make decisions, and that's football. I completely get it. But to sort of be told, yeah, you're getting a contract, yeah, I'm pleased you want to stay, and blah, blah, and then just the phone call to say, I've decided to go somewhere else, you just think, Flipping out. Eight years of service for that's that's the disappointing thing in football. But it, that is football. So, Dan, Danny, from the, that low point, talk us through that West Ham game at in in uh, in Cardiff and the build up to that and your experience. You told us backstage a little bit about it, but these guys would love to hear that as well. Yeah, we were typical Palace. We were rug ass Rovers. We we. Played up at Sunderland, Briar the Kitman, Sunderland for the TV had almost sprayed the pitch mud green. And <laughs> we obviously played, and you get all stains on your shirts. And Brian, blessing, could not get the green stains out of the shirt. So we played in the final with the green stains on the shirt. So we're walking out in a tunnel, and I'm looking, and I said, we're walking the camera bros in front of me, and I'm thinking, you look shit. The stains all up the back of your shirt. I'm looking at my shorts and I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure that's, that's a slide tackle from the other night. And he couldn't get it out. So, And then you had West Ham in their pristine white tracksuit tops walking beside you. And it was almost, again, another moment where you, it's probably easy to say because we know the outcome, but it was another moment where it's inevitable we're going to beat West Ham that day. Because they had a promotion party organised back at Upton Park. All the wives and players were getting flights back to Upton Park. And we didn't have anything planned whatsoever. So we eventually ended up going back to the Valley of Morgan and everyone got a little bit tipsy. And But straight after the game, I don't know what any of you guys were about, we literally walked straight out of the stadium in our kit to the off-licence to get some booze for the dressing room. <laughs> 
And the Palace fans was like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> like, We've just won a game. We're just going to have a couple of beers, if that's all right. So we literally went out, grabbed a few beers and went back in. How um, far out do you reckon Neil Shipley was when he scored? Because last time we spoke to him, he reckoned 32 yards. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was, do you know what? That season, it was the perfect finale because Ships was such an unsung hero because AJ took all the limelight. For, for us lads, it was perfect for Ships because the amount of work he did for the team, which wasn't appreciated by the world of football necessarily. Um, but he was, yeah, that was, that was a really special day, that was. I do have a, a question. We'll get some more questions from the floor in a minute. Um, and I don't know where I heard this. I don't know who told me, but you're close to Sean Derry, as you said yeah. earlier. Yep. And he's been on the podcast, really top lad. Um, that you guys used to sometimes sort of stay up late at night talking about Palace and that there's something about this club that makes it special to play for and you sort of talking to the early hours, trying to work out what it is about this team. Have I made that up? No, we we had... Um, I mean, me and, me, me and Sean were almost thick as two thieves. We, we, we... He did sort of... We just sort of bought into it all. It was sort of weird to explain because you're not from the area or... You sort of did even, I don't know, it was sort of a belief thing. Like, we, we would often go after training straight into Beckenham and there'd be a little coffee school. And there'd be me, big Tony Popovich, AJ, Sean. Um, and it was sort of, we almost, <laughs> sounds really sad, we almost didn't want to leave each other every day. It's like, you just wanted, just move into my house. <laughs> it was like, but that was like the togetherness. It was like, it got to the end when Ian, when Ian Dow was in charge. Do I want to go for a coffee with Sandor Torgelli? No, thank you. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what I mean? Whereas before, it's like, mate, coming for a coffee? Coming for a coffee? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, coming for a coffee? Sandor, see you later, mate. <laughs> yeah. Eunice, Eunice, cook? No, 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 you can piss off as well. What about caviadas? Do you want to come for a... Mate, you don't even fucking know what I'm saying. Also, is Andy Johnson the best number eight in Palace Donuts? Don't answer that, actually. Don't answer that. So um, is, is that level of closeness unusual, then, in your experience in football for a group of players? Yeah, I must admit, I had it when I then went on signed for Southampton, purely because it all, it all boils down to egos. It all boils down to... I signed... That's not about Southampton, but... I signed for a team where there was... If you had a night out, there'd be 15 to 20 lads there. If you went for a meal, there'd be 15, 20 lads. If all the lads and... Um, if you went to a... Um, but all the wives and girlfriends would get on as well. And it's... The minute, you, the minute we stepped into the Premier League, the dressing room just... It, it, it really does, because you get different cultures. You get foreign players that have their little cliques. You have English players that have their little cliques, if you like. And it just almost... It's not as... Again, what I said when I eventually left the club, this is my club. And, and you look at players then that enter the dressing room, you almost know instantly, are you here for this football club? Are you here for, to fill your pockets with money? And that is the big problem. I mean, it's hard now to replicate, especially at Palace for a London club, is because 
if you go and sign players that are earning the money they're earning nowadays, and I'm not bitter about that one bit, but, <laughs> but I'm going home. See you later. Um, but the thing is, you will now have superstars that will live in Mayfair. You will have people that live in Surrey. You'll have players that go and live. Whereas when I played for Palace, everyone moved to the area or as close as you could get um, to be part of the club and part of the, the community and part of... Whereas now, I'm sure they live all over London and they've got a driver that brings them to training and whatever. And it, 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 it's hard then for a manager and coach to try and galvanise the group, whereas we did it because we actually enjoyed socialising, being around each other. Yeah, your driver's outside, by the way, so I think... I know, yeah. I know, and I'm married to her. <laughs> <laughs> good little setup. Um, Questions? Rob, okay, go on, everyone. Right, okay, hold on. Uh, right. Hold on, I'm going to go with someone that we haven't had before. What's your name? Uh, hi, Danny, nice to see you. Um, I have a two-parter, so I hope that's all right. Um, well, you got the microphone, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah. First of all, what was it like to um, play under Paul Hart for those that little short spell? And um, your time at Palace um, under Simon Jordan as the owner. Um, what was that like? I bet that must have been lively. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Hart, we actually, weirdly enough, we, we, got, we took Paul Hart. Paul Hart didn't take us. To the point where the dressing room was that strong. I always remember his first day. I don't know if Paddy or, or Sean's ever told this story. His first game he took. So he comes in, tells us the team, blah, blah. Told us a little bit of tactics, but you worked on it in the week. And um, he's just walking down the little corridor bit to go out of the, to, of the dressing room. And we flick the music on. Well, we always had, I've got a feeling. And we always had, I will walk 500 miles. Played before the game. And everyone, I'm even talking scannels and would grab them and stand up and everyone's jumping in the dressing room. It was like an absolute mosh pit. We're punching the tiles. and the, Well, Paul Hart's walked down, the music's gone on and he's, you could just hear the studs crashing on the floor and he's like... And he come walking back in and just stood and watched us and was all just bouncing and, um, yeah. I will walk five hundred and big Johnny Earls, yeah, like singing like I will walk five hundred miles, and we're like, God, Johnny, <laughs> and it's like the staff are bouncing and that, and Paul Hart, he was like, after the game, he won the first game, I think, and after the game, he said, that's what'll keep us in the league, that togetherness. So Paul Hart, I really like Paul, and to the point where. He, the last day of the season, he'd had a tough time managerially. I think he'd had a couple of sticky jobs and he'd not, and this was sort of, I think he'd walked into a group where he was super proud of managing this group as well. And the last day when we stayed up, he sat in the corner of the dressing room and he was crying. 100% he was crying. But he was such a, a man with so much pride, he literally was there, was, well, I was going fucking mental. But, he literally grabbed his bag, thanks lads, and walked out. We didn't see him again, but I'm pretty sure it's because he was crying. Wow. <laughs> and coming back to Simon Jordan, Simon's, listen, Simon was terrifically generous to the players and their families at 
Christmas times and things like this. He really was. And I I really liked him. I was I had a I thought I had a reasonable relationship with him because I could sort of, as you can probably tell, I could prat around a little bit and then be serious. And so I could have I had that bit of relationship. If you come in the dressing room, I would like walk past him and go, I've shave you got on, that's crap. Like I would be quite happy to say that where other lads were like, oh my God, so I'm Jordan. So I think, well, it's interesting for you guys, really. Simon obviously took hold of the club when it was in a bit of a pickle and then put us back in a pickle. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, but what from a player's point of view, again, speaking about the club and a bit of a community club and stuff, the big thing for us is Simon was in charge of the club, but he was also a Palace fan. And that, you can't knock that. You, you can't underestimate someone wanting to do the best for his club with his money, other than wearing fucking shirts with that white collar and white cuff that used to piss me right off. <laughs> but it, you can't knock it. You can't knock it. And, and for him, not that it'll, what I'm about to say will ever affect him, but I actually felt sorry for him that he did lose his money trying to do the best thing for Palace. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. question about your I mean obviously we can hear tonight you're a brilliant talker and like very sort of jovial and stuff but you had a reputation of being sort of joker of the dressing room mm. was that something that after a while becomes sort of conscious and new players come in and you think I've got to still be the joker and stuff or is it just something that sort of happened naturally and have you always been like that at every club yeah I've always been it and I think it might be I always sort of ask myself why listen don't I suppose if you ask my managers and coaches I knew the line. So when it's serious, I worked hard. I ran my nuts off. I tried to run my nuts off for the team, whether I was ever quick enough or what, I don't know. But So I knew there was a line, and I knew some days in training could be a little bit more jovial, and then you're building up to the game, and I knew where the serious line was. But I think it's probably how I used to deal with nerves is to probably piss about a little bit. And... 
there'd be some people that would put their headphones on and some people that would just sit there almost staring at the walls. Gabor Karali would go into the showers and almost knock himself clean out. <laughs> uh, Sean Derry would go in the bathroom and be sick. Wow. Yeah, I heard yeah. He'd make himself sick before every game. And it was probably my way of dealing with the tension building up to a game is just to mess about a little bit. And it just sort of stuck and probably took it a little bit too far at times, but <laughs> not to the expense of the team. Are there any other questions then? From questions. The floor, okay, here we go. Hi. Um, Survival Sunday. Most of the team was celebrating the ch um, dressing room and Clint Hill was on the pitch <laughs> taking on most of Sheffield. Um, were the players aware of it at the time? Well, there was only about two or three of us that ran up to you fans because we were the thick ones. I <laughs> think <laughs> it was me, Sean, and probably Clint. But I remember then looking around thinking, cool, I think a few of their fans are coming on the pitch here. <laughs> I think I might start making my way over there. And then I think Sean got the same sort of feeling. And Clint was like, Oh, I think I want to fight all of them. <laughs> so, Clint was just like, I'll oh, just windmill my way back to the dressing room, thank you. And he was just like, yeah, that was typical Clint. He was quite happy to, yeah, knock a few people from Sheffield out. So, the big thing about that Survival Sunday, and this was coming back to the two songs that we used to play before, and I don't know if you've ever heard this story. The whole time we was at the Sheffield Wednesday building up to the game, like an hour and a half before kickoff. Our dressing room with door was open with them two songs blaring out. And I think they must have thought, what the fuck's going on here? Like, are they going to have a team talk and get serious and whatever? Which left the dressing room door open and we was bouncing. And it, it got to the point, as after the game, as we're walking in, that music was straight on again. Dressing room door straight open and away we went. But that was us. It was our togetherness, bonding, connection, whatever you want to call it. And it was, I think it was almost intimidating in the end because they were feeling the pressure and we were like, bring it on. And then, and, and then they walked out to 6,000 Palace fans just making a raucous noise as well. So it must yeah. have, there must have been a mentality issue there as well. I think, it, it, again, I don't know, it's easy to say when you know the outcome, but again, it just felt like our day. It just did. It just felt like... Again, walking out and seeing all you guys and walking out and thinking, we've been through a hell of a lot of shit here. This ain't ending today. We're staying in this league. And it was just sort of that, I don't know, I'm goosebumps now thinking about it. Look, It does, it just sort of fills you with a no chance. No chance are we getting re relegated. And that's not just a little fickle way of saying, yeah, yeah, yeah it's no, no, no. We genuinely believed it as as men, as characters, as fans, as a club, as everything. We're not getting relegated today. No way. Do you ever look at it now? Because Steve Brown and Steve Parrish sometimes say that had it not been for staying up in that day and in that moment that they might not have bought the club. Do you ever sort of look at it and go, God, like where Palace are now is part of what that team did and the pl platform and foundation that we gave them on that day? I just think of George Burley, mate. <laughs> No, I, listen, it, it, I, listen I, I now work for Southampton, but I'm delighted to see Palace doing what they're doing and the excitement. and the. But again, 
you just never know. You look at your Sunderlands, you look at Leeds, how many years they spent in League One, you look at your Wiggins that were in the Premier League, you look at Bolton that were in the Premier League, you look, football can change like that. It really can. And listen, we played a small part in making sure that the club kept its status in the Championship, but... Okay, I like that. So... Yeah, but it's good to see. It's good to see that 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 it's one on one season wonder, and they got relegated the year after, and then everyone tumbles down. It's like you know, I ran my balls off for that. But it's it, it is good to see that the clubs continued to to progress in that way. <laughs> uh, Rob, I think there was a couple of people over here that were yeah. sort of quite in okay. the far side, maybe. Yeah, and then this uh, Ed down here as well. Mark, there you go. Okay, very much. So actually. Uh, you sort of touched on uh, what I was going to ask, and that is looking at Palace now, what do you think when you see Palace now, particularly the way we're playing this season? And sort of related to that, your other point about the dressing room, the dressing room is clearly going to be very different now. How difficult do you think it is to keep that togetherness, the dressing room that we have now with all the different nationalities, different styles, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I think... Firstly, I think it's as I sort of said before the, the 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 patched up palace, which has been for so many years, looks like whoever it is, probably Steve Parrish, just grabbed hold of it and thought, "No, we're better than that." But we've got to have a, there's got to be a bit of commitment behind it. There's got to be a bit more in investment in the academy and the, the facilities. There's got to be a little bit more in the investment in the players. We've got to spend a little bit more to just jump to that next level. And I think. It's evident that that's happening. Um, so it's brave. It's massively brave because there's a fine line of that then failing and then the club then thinking we could be sliding back into administration type thing. But it is brave and it is exciting and it is don't think negative, keep thinking positive, keep getting behind, which is exciting times for Palace. It is The game has changed dramatically from when I played. Far less haircuts. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> but no, the game has changed as regards as a massive influx of people from all over the world playing this, this league now. And it must be hard for managers and coaches to try and galvanise the group when people earn so much money. People do come from people do come from different countries and different cultures and what togetherness, team spirit means. It, for someone from someone from Brazil, for example, their their desire to play the game is far greater than someone that's probably earning a fortune. Who's okay? Well, I'm doing it for the money a little bit more. My love of the game's gone. Whereas their desire to play football is the reason they do it. So it's hard that for managers now to try and motivate the players for the right reasons for the badge that you play for. That it is a it is a hard skill and I don't I don't I don't want to know the answer. Probably just get Neil Warnock back in. <laughs> Danny, Danny, on that topic, um, Ian Dowie has uh, has said in the past that his greatest regret was not trusting the players that got promoted. Yeah. As part of that squad, yeah. as part of that squad, what was your kind of what was what was your perspective on that? Um. 
the biggest frustration the biggest frustration was the boys that got promoted weren't given a crack from the start when we felt we were good enough to not me because I was injured but the what ended up happening is he ended up reverting back to what got him there and we nearly stayed up and that was the what if moment it was we'd signed players that didn't fit into our dressing room, didn't fit into our culture, didn't fit into Palace. And it was, that is the biggest frustration when you've worked so hard as a group to get there that people that don't genuinely care as much as you do get an opportunity to step over the line. That was a, a big frustration. And that is your Ivan Caviedes of... The fuck was that about? <laughs> Not sure Seriously. I ever saw him actually play for Palace. A couple of the signings that year were, were disappointing for the group. And I mean that by yours, but probably were for fans as well, because you know the outcome. Gabor was terrific. Julian ended up being terrific. Um, Sandor Torgeli. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um Caviedes, failure, Eunice Colker. The best thing he did was dive at Anfield. Remember that? <laughs> Pers- trying to impersonate someone. Boyce ended up being a very good signing for the club. Ventilo was, was quite good. Nicola was good. Gonzalo Sondo was very good. Um, Fitz, Fitzall was okay. Um, who did you mention, sorry? Ventilo. Nicola was a really good player, but he was injured. So we, we didn't get the best of him. Um can't think of who else we signed that year. Lackis, yeah. The Vasilius miss, the miss Lackis. It just won. It just won thingy, hasn't he? It just won the Euros with Greece. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah. And he just he was buzzing because he had so many freebies off the back of that. <laughs> like his mobile phone was free. He got a card that was free. It was like, really? You don't want any of it? Pass it to me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and that was the, 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 the transition. That was the disappointing thing, really. I think there's a there's a myth of well, it's not a myth because it's true is you need you need to be a lot more mobile but what ships brought to the team he galvanized the group he could have legs around him but he felt the shape ships was in probably that it didn't look right he he wanted a more mobile a team that could run and press from the front a little bit ships weren't capable of that but what he brought to the team was regarding ball retention and being a platform to play off was unbelievable. Um, we are running out of time, actually, so last couple of questions. Yeah. Oh, hi, Danny. Who was the best player you played with and who was the best player you played against? The other point I'd ask is this, from personal experience. I was, uh, t- used to take my kids swimming in Beckenham Swimming Pool. I remember Palace, the team, used to come to swim in the Beckenham Swimming Pool. Is that correct or is that just yeah, a weird yeah, yeah. dream? No, no, we did. Um, it's one probably one of Sharon's again. Um, yeah, we were all naked, weren't we? Or did we have thongs on? Um, Pile cream. Yeah. Um, and Sharon, I think she was on a lilo floating in the middle of the pool. And... No, we, um, no, we did used to use it as a, as a, like a warm-down recovery session, really. Um, what was the other question? I was thinking of Sharon. Well, at Palace? Um, the best player I played with um, was probably AJ. 
Probably because of his... But I think I made AJ with my passing in the channel. <laughs> <laughs> Without my balls, he didn't show his pace. Um, I think AJ, Victor Moses as well. As individual talent, them two were very, very good. AJ got better with Palace. Yeah. When we signed him, he was a raw, youthful striker with blistering pace. He developed with the team. But his finishing left foot, right foot was outstanding. And he was, he was the best quick and slow striker as in regards sucking people in to give away the penalty. I'll put the brakes on slightly. Come on in. Whack. Thank you very much. See you later. And he, was, he had it mastered. But he was... And Victor was... His balance... Being able to go... I remember playing away at West Brom and they had... They had a right-back playing and they had a right-back playing right midfield. And I think in the first half, I think them two changed positions about seven or eight times. <laughs> And they're just trying to stop Victor, and they couldn't. His balance, his strength is... He almost covered the ground gliding. Um, and it was no surprise he went on to continue his career he's had, but he's gone on to play for top, top teams. Players against... Um, I remember as a kid... He's not a glamorous player, but I remember as a kid, Jason Wilcox gave me a really tough time. And he went on to play for England just as regards his movement without the ball. But that was sort of me learning my trade as well. Um, can you remember Paul Simpson, midfield player? I think he megged me about 10 times in one game. That was like humiliating. Um, but then I've, I've been fortunate enough to play against your Steven Gerrard, your Ryan Giggs, your Paul Scholes, your Wayne Rooney's, blah, blah, blah. So um, when I tell my son that, he goes, what? <laughs> well, you're older than them. How's that happened? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I've, I've I've been fortunate to play against some top top players, and and with Ricky Lambert, Oxlade Chamberlain, Luke Shaw's when I went to Southampton. So yeah, um, yeah, you sort of alluded to part of it. You say you work for Southampton now, but when what I was going to ask is what when you. Just, stop being a professional footballer what did you do straight after that and then what have you done since leading up to what you're doing now I so when I left Southampton I moved to play for Exeter and it was sort of to be a bit of a transition from playing into coaching so I then coached there with the first team for two years and then I left to develop myself as a coach and I went and took Southampton's 18s sort of learn more and then I left there, Paul Tisdale asked me to join him at MK Dons. And so I joined him as first team coach and we got promoted out of League Two. And as football does, got sacked four months later. <laughs> um, and then I ended up sort of half being headhunted, but stroke applying for this loan manager's job at Southampton. So I'm back there looking after everyone that leaves the club on loan effectively. Danny, very quickly, what is your favourite ever Crystal Palace moment as a player? It doesn't involve Neil Warnock. Yeah. Or Sharon. Yeah. Um, it sort of sums me up really. I don't like I don't like personal. I prefer team. So it's probably the it'll either be the promotion to the Premier League at Cardiff or it'll be the staying up on the last day of the season. Excellent. Well I think both those moments deserve a round of applause. They're two huge moments in Palace's history.
Uh, we've, we've come to the end of our night, unfortunately, because we've, we've run out of time. Um, can we please get an absolutely huge round of applause for Danny? Some fantastic stories. And thank you so much. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Progressive commercial on a real boat to let people know that when you bundle your home, boat, and other vehicles... What was that, Flo? Progressive saves you money, Jamie. Why are we doing this on a boat? We were going for authenticity. We're going to the city? Authenticity. You mean Atlantic City? But we're not in the Atlantic. Are we? Bundle your home and other vehicles with Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.